Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. My name's James Whitmore and it's Sunday the 23rd of May. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land this show is broadcast from, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. In today's show, we're going to be hearing all about the problems of the Tasmanian salmon farming industry, and we're going to hear about some alternative seafood products that we can eat. But first, here's an announcement. Get ready to add your support during our annual Radiothon and be part of community-powered radio. 3CR Radiothon Fundraiser, June 2021. To donate, call 03-9419-8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon, community-powered radio. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am. Award-winning author Richard Flanagan released his latest book, Toxic, shortly before the recent Tasmanian election. It's an investigation of the salmon farming industry documenting worrying impacts on the Tasmanian marine environment. Flanagan looks at everything from the pollution caused by salmon farming to the problems of fish feed to lack of regulation. For those of us now perhaps looking for alternatives to farmed salmon, where can we turn to? The Australian Marine Conservation Society publishes a good fish guide to Australian fish, which uses a traffic light system to rate Australian seafood. In the guide, Atlantic salmon farmed in Tasmania are given a red rating as a fish we should say no to. To find out more, I spoke to Adrian Meader from the Society. All right, Adrian, so the Marine Conservation Society's good fish guide Farmed Atlantic salmon is listed as a fish that we should say no to. Can you tell us a bit about why we should say no to farmed Atlantic salmon? Yeah, James. Well, I mean, it's difficult to know where to start these days. Um, And, uh, you know, off the back of uh, Richard Flanagan's uh, book that's come out lately, I mean, the fact that this... This is the only fish farming industry I'm aware of that has had a book written about its uh, uh, sins, environmental and otherwise, and that probably, um, uh, you know, is is an indicator. Uh, But look, you know, where to start? So uh, if we're looking at um, about five years ago, um, uh, uh, a poorly regulated expansion of the industry into just an incredibly special and sensitive environmental area, uh, Macquarie Harbour on Tasmania's west coast, 
and we saw some really serious damage done to, to that area, which is it's a world heritage area. Its environmental issues are uh, incredibly significant, and you know it's home to the only known population of of an ancient and precious species of ray called the Morgian skate. Uh, the sort of place we should be looking after. Uh, unfortunately, the, the industry was implicated in creating massive dead zones in that harbour where there was so much fish poo going into the water that essentially sucked the oxygen out of the deeper waters and, and basically killed everything on the seabed. Uh, fast forward a few years, and, and right now we're seeing another massive expansion of the industry into a place called Storm Bay on Tasmania's southeast coast. Now, this has just been massively controversial. Uh, and, and if the industry's plans are completed, this could lead to the equivalent amount of pollution of all of Victoria's ocean waste outfall. As you know, there's still some sewage waste or outfalls going out into the ocean in Australia. But all of that going into just one bay, um, you know, that is a very high-impact operation. Can it be handled uh, environmentally and managed well? Look, the signs are anything but promising. Mm. Um, uh, and look, I could go on. We've, we've had over a million salmon dead from diseases caused by too much farming. We're hearing of regular escapes into the wild of, uh, of uh, fish that have escaped their cages, unsurprisingly, in Storm Bay. Uh, storms come through and have uh, damaged the farming infrastructure. Uh, we've got mistreatment of wildlife. Uh, we've had seals trucked over land in their thousands um, to try and get rid of them and shift them somewhere else in Tasmania. Uh, and we're now hearing uh, of industry using thousands of what are called seal bombs or, or, or crackers. Uh, which are essentially explosives designed to scare off seals. And, and and these things are getting shot with what's essentially riot control gear. Now, uh, this is all happening because the Tasmanian government has really failed to regulate that industry. It seems to just get what it wants. And, uh, and you know, where industry and government don't seem to be that interested in being more careful um, if there is an opportunity in all of that, it's that consumers can, can take a bit of control and use their market power. And, and I guess that's where our seafood guide advice comes in. I'm curious um, whether it's possible for an industry like this to be sustainable. I mean, farm fish, at the, 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 this, this particular industry, the Tasmanian salmon industry, does feed off Tasmania's clean green image. Is it possible to have far sustainable farm salmon that the something like the Good Fish Guide would say is a good alternative? Absolutely, and and in fact, uh, we have some, uh, not assessed by us, but by our respected peers, the the New Zealand uh, salmon farming industry, which farms a different species but does so in a, in a fairly similar manner. Um, is rated by that system, which, which we've adopted their rating uh, on their green list um, because essentially there's a degree of moderation. Um, they haven't taken every opportunity to expand at the cost of the environment and just because the fish are being farmed in an area uh, that's more suited to them, uh, it's able to be done 
uh, more efficiently. So there's absolutely um, the potential and, and the reality of sustainable uh, salmon farming. And look, internationally, what we're really seeing is, is a transition. Um, just like the change from sort of fossil fuel to renewable energy, we're seeing a transition from uh, farming salmon in the ocean to farming them on land and tanks where a lot of these environmental issues, particularly the pollution and the, and the chemicals related to disease management, um, are massively reduced and far better controlled. If I do want to eat Australian salmon, though, is there an alternative, or salmon caught or farmed in, in Australia, is there an alternative that I can look for? Yeah, well, the challenge here is that salmon is so ubiquitous, and as a result, and as a result of some marketing of it as such a premium product, um, we have seen a real narrowing of consumer tastes. So, look, salmon's a boneless fillet. It's pretty tough to overcook it. Uh, you can find it everywhere, and it's not the most expensive option. But, you know, this isn't actually how we used to eat our seafood uh, that long ago, particularly in a diverse um, community like Melbourne, where we would have a more diverse taste, we'd eat more of what is caught, and spread our pressure on the ocean uh, more broadly. So we can look to a whole range of species that are caught in Victoria, that don't have the prominence they used to, perhaps. And uh, and these are species that are, are caught locally. Uh, they're pretty cheap because they're not in demand and uh, and they're not under nearly so much pressure. So that could be species like uh, Taylor, Mullet or Brim caught in, say, our corner inlet fishery. Um, slightly more premium sort of expensive offerings like garfish, whitings and snapper. Uh, are fished pretty sustainably in Victoria. And then there's sort of old favourites like calamari as well. So, so there's actually a lot of options, but it's just with today's sort of retail environment, can be trickier to find that local seafood. Mm. And there is a wild Australian salmon that is a pretty good alternative as well, is that right? There is. Now, it's not actually a salmon. Right. Uh, Australia, Australia has a history of giving fish very unfortunate names, but it got that salmon long before Atlantic salmon was being uh, uh, being farmed in Australia. It's not a salmon at all, but it sort of looks similar. But, look, the good news is it's relatively, it's essentially what we would consider an underutilised fish these days, which is a sort of cold scientific term that means if we wanted to, we could catch more of them without uh, without uh, damaging the health of the fishery. Now, these fish are pretty abundant. Um, we used to actually um, catch them and can them, and they were a really affordable staple for Australian families. If you rewind 50 years or so, uh, there are canneries right along the coast um, for these things. They're often caught off the beach or in in uh, seine nets uh, out at sea or in our inlets in ways that don't have any serious impacts on, on other species because there's sort of a whole school is caught at a time and there's not much else swimming around with it. Um, minimal damage to, to seabed habitats and, as I said, a healthy stock. So the, the contrast there, uh, look, do they have the culinary reputation? Uh, no, they don't, but um, treated well. Uh, they can be equally delicious and they can hold up to some more um, creative preparations, I suppose, and that they can uh, they can sit in a meal with some stronger, bolder flavours in it. Mm. 
How interesting. I just want to pick up on something that you just kind of alluded to there, uh, the types of fish that are uh, that make better choices. What are the characteristics of these types of fish? Are there a particular set of you know, biological factors or habitat that they live in that make these better alternatives? Yeah, okay. Well, there's sort of there's sort of two because we're talking farmed fish, which are an increasing part of our diet, and then wild fish, of course. And when we're looking at wild fish, we look at a number of areas, and we consider all of these things in our seafood guide, uh, which is firstly, is the population of fish uh, healthy and not overexploited? Secondly, uh, what else is caught with that fish? You know, uh, is there, say, a protected species or an endangered species? Uh, obviously, we don't want that. Um, does the act of fishing, you know, the pulling of nets or the dropping of lines or traps, uh, damage uh, seabed and ecosystems in any way? And then lastly, is the management of all of that science-based and careful and able to respond if there is a problem? With fish farming, we look for a, a slightly different set, but uh, we're looking at the same broad environmental issues. We want to know that the fish itself being farmed grows really efficiently because that means uh, typically that less wild fishery resources are required to, to grow uh, you know, a certain quantity of fish. Uh, there's no point taking perfectly good uh, edible and delicious seafood from somewhere else in the world, grinding it up and then turning it into a, a luxury farmed fish in a really inefficient way. Uh, we also want to know that wildlife isn't being put at risk by the farming activity. And likewise, we want to know that any pollution, any wasted fish food and fish poo that that uh, does enter the marine environment um, is at a level that the environment's actually able to absorb and, and deal with. And then, of course, we want to see that the management of all of that, and you know, something that we've seen sorely lacking in Tasmania, is responsible and careful and precautionary. Mm. While I was making this show, I also published a review of Flanagan's book on my personal blog. Shortly after this, I was messaged on Facebook by a representative of Huon Aquaculture, which is one of the salmon businesses in Tasmania, saying they were keen to show me the facts about their farming operations so I could make up my own mind. From this contact, I let them know I was also making a show on the industry and asked for a response to the claims in Toxic and the Good Fish Guide. They directed me to fact sheets on their website and said that Huon Aquaculture stopped translocating seals in 2016 and that they are confident that the Storm Bay ecosystem is not being impacted negatively by Huon's activities. They also said that many of the points made in Toxic and the Good Fish Guide are, quote, outdated and non-factual, unquote. When I put this back to Adrian, he said that the Good Fish Guide is reviewed every three years, which is in line with the best practice for these type of ratings. He also said that we still do not know the impacts of salmon farming in Macquarie Harbour on the Morgian Skate and raised concerns about the expansion of the industry into Storm Bay. We're going to hear from more from Adrian right after the break, but first we're going to hear a song. This is Maisha with Damaged. Never really fit in 
You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am, and we just heard Damaged by Maisha. I've been talking to Adrian Meader from the Australian Marine Conservation Society about the Good Fish Guide and how we can choose more sustainable seafood. How do you go about investigating the sustainability of seafood? I mean, is all this information actually out there? Oh, look, that's, uh, that's the great challenge. And, and the good news for your listeners is that uh, I try and do all of that so that, so that you don't have to. But uh, <laughs> Thanks, Adrian. <laughs> uh, our, our Good Fish Guide covers uh, 
over 90% of the seafood that's on the Australian market. So it's pretty broad. And doing that and assessing all of those issues uh, in a scientific fashion, uh, that takes about 18 months. And we've just actually started this year updating all of that. So we try to uh, update all of those assessments. There's about 160 of them uh, at present every three years or so, and we're growing that all the time. Uh, it's a very rigorous process, and it uses a whole lot of terms and words and language that is just really complex. So we try to boil all of that down into something that uh, a seafood lover can, can understand and cope with. And we also try and provide where, say, your favourite fish comes up and it's on our red list, um, some more sustainable alternatives as well. Yeah. Is, there, is there ever a problem in, in finding the data? Like do fisheries, for instance, do they collect the data that is needed to make good decisions about, well, also the fisheries themselves, but also what we're eating? Look, it's, it's almost always a great challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the rule for managing the ocean sustainably, uh, because we you know, we don't understand it that well, is to manage it for all the things we don't understand, just in case something goes wrong, rather than managing it with a false sense of confidence based on the little pieces of data we do have. So, look, it's my job to dig through all of those, and where information is uh, lacking, uh, it becomes my job to to make the uh, most careful uh, decision we can um, so, so for those reasons, we tend to be very precautionary and take a take an ecological approach to to managing managing these things. But look, uh, it can be a real black box. The, the seafood industry as a whole is not known for its transparency. But um, uh, we work with what is out there, and Australia is actually relatively fortunate in that because Australians. Uh, love the ocean and because we have a a deep connection to it um, we consider it worthwhile that uh, our our ocean management is very science based and relatively well resourced. I'm curious is there ever any um, engagement with industry in the in the way that um, I mean this is a not not really a certification scheme but a guide but an engagement with industry where you know Industries that are fisheries that are listed as perhaps not as good choices are keen to become better choices. Is, is there any is there any of that going on when you're um, working working through this guide? Look, it happens all the time. Uh, suffice to say, we don't have uh, any uh, niggle or, or problems with industry that are the fisheries that are already on our green list. But we're always talking to fisheries that want to know if they can improve their ranking um, and their rating from us, um, what can they do? And, you know, the great news is that uh, a whole bunch of them um, take those opportunities. And, look, the only reason they do it is because um, they're hearing from consumers or people selling their fish that uh, those consumers are are choosing something else based on sustainability. And, And, you know, they... They want a piece of that action. So, yeah, look, it does happen all the time. And, and we always make sure when we're talking with industry that they know um, exactly why um, we rate them 
uh, as sustainable or otherwise. Um, the difference between us and, say, some of the certification systems that are out there, so you might see a, a sort of a blue tick or something on seafood telling you that it's sustainable, or a government might be um, uh, classifying a fishery as sustainable, is that uh, we don't have any skin in the game. There's no, there's no money involved uh, that comes from uh, fishing or fish farming industries, or governments for that matter. Um, and our program is driven by the consumer wanting to know, wanting to get a bit of a sort of environmental scorecard of all their choices out there rather than a fisher um, uh, going to a certification scheme to say, hey, I want to uh, um, join this party and go through this process. So so we're a little different in that regard, um, but uh, our... Uh, you know, the thing most important to us is our trust. So that, that is our currency and, uh, and we take that pretty seriously. Mm -hmm. I'm curious because this is something that comes up in environmental debates all the time. This is a very consumer focused process and you're saying that, you know, fisheries want to improve their acts because this is what consumers are telling them. What is the role? How big a role do consumers have? How big a role do individuals have in improving the state of, uh, the problems of fishing? Yeah, well, look from one point of from one point of view, I, I'm sympathetic to the idea that the consumer shouldn't have to drive this demand. That um, it should be seen as the job of industry and and regulators to to do that. But um, sometimes it falls short, and um, consumers buying choices. Um, we have a restaurant program with around about a hundred chef partners now, which will only serve uh, sustainable seafood recommended by us. And uh, the influence of that is becoming quite clear, and and that's a really good thing. And look, uh, at the end of the day, uh, it's our mission to to drive change and have fisheries be more sustainable and reduce their impacts on our precious oceans. So um, we we will do whatever the most powerful path for that is. And look, our, our sustainable seafood program is a really really important part of that, which. I think reflects that consumers and their choices are highly influential. All right, Adrian, where can people go to find more information about all of this? Yeah, thanks, James. Um, look, I've been I've been spooking our guide, but uh, you know, with 18 months of work ahead of me, why wouldn't I? <laughs> uh, uh, you can, you can find uh, the Good Fish Sustainable Seafood Guide as well as. Um, directions to a, a chef or a restaurant serving sustainable seafood at uh, goodfish.org.au. We have a website service and we have a free app available as well on the respective uh, uh, Apple and Google app stores that uh, you can download. Um, and uh, yes, we hope it's a hope, hope it's a useful service, but we, we're always fielding uh, inquiries from uh, consumers and our supporters, and so we're happy to do that as well. That was Adrian Meter from the Australian Marine Conservation Society talking about the Good Fish Guide. And that's all we have time for this week. To listen to this show again or any of our previous episodes, head to 3cr.org.au forward slash Radio Blue, and you can also follow our Facebook page for updates. We'll see you next week.
sea anemone cocktail followed by oyster liqueurs.